0: Hi everybody, welcome to Dan Snow's History Hits. We've got another Second World War veteran for you this time. He's one of the last surviving members of the so-called Guinea Pig Club, a drinking club started for people that were operated on by the unit in East Grinstead, Surrey, run by the legendary, the pioneer of plastic surgery, guy called Archie McKindo. Uh, he was a-, a genius. He helped to rebuild men's faces, but also their lives. He gave them the courage to face the world anew after they'd suffered often hideous, hideous burns when planes had crashed, for example. The gentleman you'll be hearing from now was born in Poland. His name's Jan Stangredciuk. He moved to Argentina as a teenager, but he volunteered to serve in Britain's RAF to try and do his bit so that his, his mother country would be liberated. It's an extraordinary interview. If you want to watch this interview and see, frankly, what an extraordinary job the team at East Grinstead did 80 years later, Uh, you can go to historyhit.tv. It is the place where all the previous episodes of the podcast are, the entire podcast archive that's not available anywhere else. It's available on historyhit.tv. And there's hundreds of history documentaries on there. Now we've got Jan and we've got Roger Morehouse, great friend of the podcast. He has been on so many times. He is a a brilliant Second World War historian. His most recent book is called First to Fight uh, and it charts the story of the Polish campaign of autumn 1939. So Roger Morehouse kindly put me in touch with Jan and he's on the documentary talking about the Polish role and that of M and Light Jan in the Second World War. So please go over and check that out. And then uh, while you're there, stick around, listen to the back episodes of the podcast, and obviously watch one of the hundreds of other documentaries there as well. Uh, every so often, the team in the office kind of fall in love with a film and a subject, and Jan is definitely that guy. And so we're going crazy. We're offering our very rare three-month sale. If you sign up to TV this weekend just for podcast listeners to use the code POD3, P-O-D-3, you get a month for free. Then you get three months for just one pound, euro or dollar for each of those first three months. It is frankly a ridiculous deal. It will take you through, so that's a month free, then three months, four months away. So it'll take you through to high summer, to a time when we'll be congregating again, drinking again, laughing again, hopefully after we flatten this curve. It's rather a wonderful thought. Anyway, in the meantime, you'll be able to get HistoryHit.tv for just one pound, euro, or dollar for each of those first three months. So check it out. Use the code POD3. It's back for a very limited time only. POD3 at checkout, the world's best history channel. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy this remarkable account from one of life's great survivors. I feel the hand of history on
1: our shoulders. All oh, this tradition of ours our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished
0: and liquidated.
1: One child, one teacher, one book, and one pen can change the world.
0: What is your heritage? Were you born in Poland?
1: Yes, I was born in Poland. And in 1935, my parents decided to emigrate to Argentina.
0: Why did they do that? Were they worried about the coming war?
1: Yes. In a certain way, yes, they had experience passing through the first war, and they knew the second war is uh, unavoidable.
0: So you were born in Poland. When were you
1: born? I was born 184. 1922. That's confidentially,
0: I tell you. <laughs> I won't tell anyone. You look, I think you're an imposter. You look about 30 years younger. Thank you. And how old were you when you left Poland? I was uh, 15. Why did you leave? Uh,
1: because, you see, Poland was, uh, as you know, regained their independence after the first war and after the germans were looking for expansion of their territory so your parents were worried
0: that yeah poland my would...
1: parents were worried because the germans used to put pressure on poland to let them all the troops to invade Russia. And Poland didn't want to make the Germans no any arrangement to do that and we just wanted to be living with our short independence and without being involved with the Germans you know plan what they had to
0: expand. And so your parents Were they they worried about war coming? Yes. And when you were in Argentina, a teenage boy, did you feel Polish or did you feel Argentinian?
1: I feel Polish. I feel Polish because I had to learn Argentinian language, the Spanish language. And of course, there was a different life, what it was, I would say, in Poland and in Europe. The country was very big and very few people were living in Argentina. And
0: when you heard the terrible news that Hitler had invaded Poland, how did you feel? We had
1: treaty before Germany invaded Poland between England and France. And we were given very strong promise When the Germans attack Poland what we get military help from England and France. So you see we've been very happy but as Germans attack Poland then Russian on fourth fourth day attack Poland from the east. So you see Poland completely lost heart. To fight those super uh,
0: power nations. But you were a teenage boy in Argentina. How did you feel? I felt
1: upsetting what my country only had such a short time living independently and making quick progress to recover after lots of years of occupation. I had very big heart patriots for my country and I knew volunteers going to England to fight Germans during that time and uh, I applied for that advertisement. I think it was uh, mostly uh, British French who decided to emigrate and I joined in.
0: So you you were prepared, even though you were in Argentina, safe. You could have had a nice life. You wanted to risk your life.
1: Yes, yes, quite true. Because I tell you why. The Germans knew what England was getting lots of supplies from Western approach and the problem was they had lots of battleships cruising around south atlantic and lots of submarines making very big uh, damage to the sea communication what were heading to england with precious supply because big convoys bringing supply to england had escort from battleships, you see, so they were much safer. But those big liners, who, as the war started, luxurious passenger li- liners, they were converted to carry meat food supply during the war. So the Germans were making terrific gains by doing damage to supply what was heading to England from Western approach.
0: But you, as a young boy, your mother and father, they'd taken you to Argentina to be safe from the war, and now you were going back to the war. Yes. What did your parents say?
1: My mother, for the last months before my ticket arrived for the journey to England, was every time when we sat to, have a meal, she was looking and crying. And I was so happy, the sooner I could get on the boat to England, so... uh, I mean, I will not be making so long upset for my mother. My father was in the first war, also military man, so he gave me my own decision. He told me, if you decide to go, With lots of volunteers, you do it as you like, he said, because you decided what you want to go. And if I stop you, I probably will be to blame.
0: And I decided to go. Now, it's 80 years later, you suffered during the war. Was that the right decision to go?
1: Yes. Yes, it was, because I tell you, without having trust in England and France at that time, I think uh, the Europe may be different for years and years to come. And I think I had trust in England, what we probably have to take, risk in the end to tell Germans uh, their expansion is stopped and our uh, prime minister, uh, Neil Cherblin, uh, in the end he knew what the Hitler never gave him promise what it will be peace in
0: Europe. But for you personally, you could have lived in Argentina, had a nice farm, yeah, And instead you got terribly injured in the war. But for you, for you, was it the right decision? Yes, because I tell you why.
1: As my country regained their independence after 100 years, we were proud to be free. Because in those days, the Russians occupied half of my country and the Germans second half and they were always very, very badly treating my people. And I thought I had the biggest uh, intention to come to England as that war started, because the Germans, as the war started, they were almost proud and very sure what Europe is under their control. But I thought, I must go, as England at that time was a very big superpower, yes? And I thought, if James stopped the Germans, I thought somebody had to go and face it too. And I decided that nobody will stop me going. But the trouble was, as we left Buenos Aires at night, everything was so secretive, because the Germans had their spies all through South America. So we've been told, never talk to strangers, as we were waiting for our big boat to start sailing. And uh, when we left Buenos Aires, our boat started zigzagging not going straight line because the german submarine were pinpointing those big liners and waiting for them so at one time we had to hide ourselves to trinidad harbor that's a small island on the coast of south america so our boat instead of taking three weeks to come to belfast took much longer
0: and when you arrived in the uk how were you treated were the people happy to see you i think english people were
1: almost to us give everything heart they knew we came to england and we had that determination to fight with them. We had everything we couldn't expect no more, as the people give us during that time.
0: And what, what did you join? What branch of the services did you join?
1: Yes, soon as I had my medical board, you had to decide what unit you select for yourself. The Royal Navy, or to RAF, or to Army, or to other units. And of course, when you're young, you thought the flight was the most exciting for the young fellow, because as you know, there was much uh, better pay, uh, more promotion. And you see, you get such so, so, I would say, Popular between the people because we had, for boys in RAF uniforms, always big respect, what they were facing.
0: And popular with the women?
1: Ah, women. Thank you for asking me. They were wonderful. i tell you why. Because, you see, we posed during that time. We wanted to learn English. And we've been told the, the quicker that's true to learn English if you find yourself girlfriend because you find yourself girlfriend and you start communicating with her, you see by letter, and that's sometimes you instead of sleep, you're thinking, how could you put that letter in proper wording? So you say, you always used to make progress to learn English because uh, we attended to school in spare hours but we also had lots of support from the girls till Americans came when Americans came they made little competition with the dollars you see but never mind we were before them we came to England, and we felt we had other hand over Americans.
0: <laughs> and in the RAF, did you serve alongside many famous other Polish airmen, or with you with a British crew? We uh, had uh, part of uh, English
1: uh, training, part of Polish instructors, but uh, mostly Polish pilots. And Polish, different members of the bomber crews, they had, uh, I would say, already doing their active job. So we had mostly instructor British, you see. And we in evening had to attend school to learn after our uh, supper, to make progress as much as possible. And uh, in the end, after a few months, I started corresponding with letters to my different friends. And I was almost so happy what I could speak Spanish and English on
0: top of that. (laughs) Yeah, three languages, very impressive. Yes. Was your first active service in a Lancaster? No, no. My first
1: service was Wellington, two engine bombers, very old, first in the, as the war started, yeah. that was our, the best bomber.
0: Were you doing daylight raids in those Wellingtons? Uh, uh, yes, we,
1: but we, we've been doing uh, mostly flying at night. Okay. Our, uh, you see, mission, what we used to do, because we've been trained to fly that night.
0: And what date was this? When when did you start flying those Wellingtons?
1: So, we used to fly over uh, France. Uh, General Pétain, yeah. uh, as a leader of uh, that part of France, what was uh, under French rules, to drop leaflets and give them support, what we're still fighting and we're going to regain for them their freedom.
0: And when did you start dropping bombs?
1: During my training to get bigger mission on the program, to go and bomb Germany, I had continuous training. We had maybe two more weeks being prepared to our missions will change from easy, easier mission, what we've been doing from beginning, but to start bombing Germans, and we were flying at night. Was this the summer of 1940? We already, uh, yeah, 42. But by now we're in 42. Yeah. Okay. And during that uh, special night uh, mission. We had to go over North Sea, as close to the German border as possible. And uh, during the takeoff, one engine failed. And that's when I crashed, you see.
0: How many minutes, how many seconds after taking off? Oh, I think
1: maybe a few seconds. That's why the people who, when we crashed, they knew, and those people were brave, because first, when I recovered my memory, I wanted to go to the front of the plane, because I was thinking, maybe I will be helping some members of the crew in front, because there is pilot, navigator, wireless operator in front of the plane. And I was going, but the plane was not uh, burning yet. So I was able to walk in front of the plane. And then suddenly, when I reached Pilot, he was still tied up, the plane exploded because there were still lots of fuel in the tanks.
0: When you woke up, were you bleeding? Were you, were you hurt? I didn't feel
1: what uh, I was uh, seriously received certain injuries. But I was very wobbly. And I knew I have to slowly try to reach the front of the plane and see what's happening to my members of the crew. Were,
0: were they your friends? Were you close with them by that time? Yes, yeah.
1: very much so. We were more than brothers together, you see, because we knew we fight our lives one for another one. So, you see, it was terrific friendship, you know, to we developed. And as I reached my pilot, I've been trying to pull him out, and I knew he was still stripped with his belt, because he gave us order. He said, we cannot bail out, because we have not enough, but we're heading for crash, owing to engine failure. So I couldn't, pull him out, and I thought, what I'm going to do now? Because at that time, plane exploded with lots of fuel who spread underneath, and I was left hopeless. So I couldn't see nothing, so I covered my left side of my face with my left hand, and with my right hand, I tried to look for exit. Luckily, during the crash, my Wellington broken in half. I somehow could see very difficult view when I opened my eye, but there was a bit of daylight. And through that exit, I squeezed myself out of the plane. But I was already, my flying suit was ignited in fire. And I was on my ground, trying to get far as possible out of bit of distance from the plane. And during that time, people who came and tear my flying suit from me. Because, you see, when the plane exploded, some of the fuel was everywhere and some spray on my flying suit. When he exploded that fire, I was in cloud of fire. The plane was all covered in fire, you see. So I was lucky what somehow with that last glance through that exit, what I could feel with my hand got myself out, but I already was in fire because my flying suit was wet.
0: Hey, sleepyhead, why so sleepy? Oh, it's because your mattress is a bag of potatoes and scrap metal you should try a Nectar mattress. With award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. or prevent any disease and did any of the other crew survive no you
1: see because uh, they were in front and the heaviest impact you know uh, is always in front you see because there is engine and so on i was lucky because i was a rear gunner you see and for that reason that crack on part of the plane what I squeeze myself out.
0: And how bad were your injuries? Oh, I'm
1: glad you asked that. I, I would been happier if somebody during that time really shot me a few times because the pain, the fire is the biggest enemy what you could face. But those people were almost, when they tear my flying suit, I was uh, almost fire, hair, hair, everything I lost, you see. And eyesight too, because everything was red in, in my... But they were telling me, those people, thank you for asking me, What they already found for the ambulance. And they were promising me, you'll be all right, don't you worry, the ambulance is already on its way. But the pain was shocking, shocking. And soon as the ambulance came, they also started telling me, don't you worry, you'll be all right, that's nothing happened much. We're taking you to hospital and they took me to cosford hospital near wolverhampton rf e. hospital and of course they give me pills and injection quickly and they put me to sleep and when i recover my sleeping i can say nothing Only I knew the doctor was close by talking uh, to nurses and giving them advice, I think, what they have to give me when I walk myself up. And they told me what they're going to do. They're going to give me every day a hot bath and tear the dressing. You see what I was covering all, all my head years because they must change the dressing every day. Full of oil on it, wet in oil. So when they put you new dressing with oil, they don't get hard healing so they every day fresh dressing they take the old one out and put the new one and that's how the first skin whatever skin will uh, start to cover that burn part of your body and during that time after one week continuously having the same procedure, in that bus, That big doctor came, Sir Archibald McIndoe, because he used to go visit different hospitals, because lots of my colleagues, R.E.F. fellows, were having crashes all over the country. So he used to come and visit those different hospitals. And people who are badly burned will take them to his Grinstead Hospital in Sussex. So my local doctor from that Arliev Hospital Cospot came and he said, Jan, listen, Today, you will see one of the very important doctors. And he said, I don't know what he's going to decide. You probably will have to be transferred to another hospital. But he said, I'm not sure what he will decide. So when he came, he patted me on the shoulder he said i came to see you from another hospital so i said thank you doctor he said and how do you feel how they treat you i said i could ask for nothing better i said at least my pain is easy now he said don't you worry i take you to my hospital, and he mentioned his grinstead. He said, will you be happy to be moved from here? I said, doctor, I cannot see you, but whatever decision you make, if you think it will be in my favor, I'll leave it to you. He said, yes, tomorrow they bring you by ambulance. And he said, when you come to my hospital, you find different nation of your colleague, Polish, English, French, he said, Canadians, he said, all different mixture.
0: And when McIndoe, how many operations did he do on you to repair the skin? He did about, I would say, 15,
1: what I know. But one was the biggest one, so that was about six hours lasting. And where, where did he
0: replace the skin?
1: Your main skin has about four different layers of skin. So they don't take whole four, they take half, maybe two thin skin. And of course they have to remove that burnt skin because it always will stay very red, you see. And they have to completely tear that skin and put the new one. So you see, they take you for a long operation and uh, they take uh, part of the, uh, your tummy.
0: And how many months were you in the East Grinstead Hospital? Uh,
1: yes, I spent about four months in this Greenstadt Hospital and I made some progress because certain things, they did it quickly because uh, they knew if they don't put quickly, then afterwards the new skin would never accept joining. So they did during six months about maybe five operations big one first on hands because you see your veins once your veins uh, start uh, will be closing and you never recover. So you see they had to make sure what they put because up to now I had burned. Hans. And the hospital was so overloaded with new cases coming day and night. So what they do, once they little help you to recover, they send you to your station. Because there was not enough hospitals to accommodate so many people coming from different accidents. So when they sent me to my station, I reported to my commanding officer. So he looked at me and he said, well, warrant officer, I was already promoted then to warrant officer from sergeant, you see. He said, and what do you think you're going to do? looking at me. I said, sir, what I want to do? I want to do what I was taught to do. Fly. So he looked at me. He said, didn't you have enough flying? Yes. I said, sir, but that's what I want to do. I said, I decided and I thought I still should continue. He said, I'm glad you still think you will be able to do what you've been doing. But he said, first of all, I have to give you another test. Will you be able to do that? So he told me, he gave me test with another two doctors. They will take off with me and look my reaction, how I will feel. So... For two hours flying, I was sitting with those two doctors and they were asking me certain things. And when we landed, they told me they're going to leave all the report to my commanding officer. So I thanked them. On the next day, my commanding officer left a message, he wanted to see me. So when I was going to see my commanding officer, I was almost nervous in case probably they decide what I have certain effect after that crash. But I said I have to go and listen what he will tell me. So when I went to his office, He said, sit down. I sat. He said, I had your report given to me. And he said, by rules, as you was determined to fly again, and whatever test you pass, I have no power to stop you to fly again yes and he said will you think you will be able to do your job as before the accident I said sir I probably will have even bigger now experience and happiness to return to do my job because he said I have nothing else to lose now and I did Another few operations, but then my squadron was converted to Lancaster's.
0: For how many missions did you fly Lancaster's?
1: About 12, I did. 12. And hospital, recalled me. For more operations? For more, because they said it is in the roofs. You know, everything should heal. One after
0: another. other, yeah. And when you were flying, were you uh, more scared, more traumatised about another crash? Or were you, were you, was your mind okay? No,
1: no. You know why? Because I had such a hatred to Germans. Almost disfigured, you know what I mean. And you blamed the Germans for your injuries? Yes, I did. I did, yes. And I saw or during my service or some crews didn't came back and I also had that close in my hatred what they started the problem and so many people losing their life. My hospital asked me to go back so I took that letter to my commanding officer. I said, sir, I have very But later, my hospital want me to go back. He said, yes, I received the letter also. So you should be very happy. I said, no, sir, I'm not very happy. I said, I would like to continue. So he turned to me. He said, no, you should be very happy. But they still want to do something to help you. He said, because otherwise you will be facing your life as you are now, not what you should look.
0: What was the response like from, from people, from your friends, from your crew? How did they, you. they respond? You said, that
1: hospital in East Greenstead, that is the town when people never stare because those people knew what we lost our disfigurement and other injuries, some lost leg or arm or whatever. They knew what kind of job we were doing and they didn't stare at us. That's why we love the people in that East Green State. They give us hard and we used to continue to have our reunion there for many many years after when war ended and some of the boys came from australia from canada for two days reunion to use greensted but now is discontinued because it's very few left those boys, here. Yeah. I'm one of them from Polish, you
0: see. And if you hadn't had plastic surgery, would your life have been very different? Oh,
1: yes, yes. Maybe in that town, people, is Greenstead, they got so used to see so many, those people. And the doctors, not Sir Archibald do. He had such a big responsibility, how many people quickly as possible to rebuild them. That doctor, not only what he tried to rebuild better bit of your look for the future, but mentally to recover too. Lots of them turned to live different life, taking to drinking and losing self-control and many, many things happen. I tell you, the last little important thing what I remember, when I land myself in hospital, my wife, I mean, during that time, not my wife, just girlfriend. Uh, find out from my friends what happened to me because uh, she wrote to my friend and she said uh, she had no news from me. He replied to her and he said he had accident and he is in hospital. So my dear friend, she said which hospital <laughs> in London because I met her in London, you see. He said, no, he's somewhere in Sussex. But he said, we are on holiday. So he said, I have his address at base, you know, in the squadron. So she said, when you get back, please phone me and tell me his address. So he did. And on Saturday, I remember Saturday about one o'clock, a staff nurse came and she said, Jan, there is some lady who want to see you. And she came and she said, what happened to you? Why didn't you phone me what happened? I said, but look at me. Uh, my hands all bandaged. I said, and I said, I'm not very presentable to tell you what happened. I also said, but you shouldn't do that. She said, you are not only one what happening. You said, it started to give me a bit of more spirit. But I said, if the doctors will help me and uh, put me more suitable to have holiday. Then I said, I probably will see you, yes. Or she said, not probably, you make sure. I said, how did you came? She said, by train. I said, what about your car, what you have? I have no petrol, she said. My car is out of use, so i Took her back to the station, which is about a you know, couple miles, and thanked her for the visit. She said, why I came to visit you? Because she said All, most of those boys, they have family come to see you. But I knew you have nobody. And, that, and those words catch me up to now. And when war ended, I married her because that's what we give each other promise. She was, she was wife, what I want. I want sell her for weight in diamonds <laughs> because she knew how to help me in the end.
0: Um, the Guinea Pig Club, we hear about it. Was it important for you all to stay together and, and and stay in the club? Yes, yes. That was
1: friendship. That was friendship. And when that year came, what we always had in September, Battle of Britain, is great. That new. It was like carnival here. You know what I mean. And people accept us. If you decide to go on your own, you still can stay in that hotel, Felbridge Hotel in East Green and,
0: and you all, the reunion helped you? Helped yes,
1: you. yes, they helped us. They helped us uh, because mentally, you see, that was the important time. And that doctor, sometime in the evening, when he finishes all day operating, yeah he will pop to the cocktail bar, to that hotel, uh, Whitehall in East Greenstead. And we always wear uniforms. If we could walk to town, we were allowed to go evening, you know, to cinema. So sometimes he will meet us in bar, in cocktail bar, have a glass of beer or glass of wine to give us more, Self-confidence. You know what I mean. He was a man. What he knew not only to put this skin on our faces, but how to rebuild our mental, you know, feelings, and we will remember him for the rest of our life. I we have the history our
0: shoulders? Oh, All of ours.
1: Our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished and liquidated. One child, one teacher, one book, and one pen can change the world. He tells us what is possible, not just in the pages of history books, but in our own lives as well. I have faith.